Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee, the motivating operation to start your week. Hi, I'm Christina Flores, a board-certified assistant behavior analyst. And I'm Natalie, a board-certified behavior analyst. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoy. Hello, guys, and welcome to episode five. Thank you guys for tuning in. I am so happy because I have my co-host back, Christina, who is joining me um, on this episode. Christina, you want to go ahead and talk about what we'll be chatting about this morning? Yes, I'm so happy to be back. Thank you to all who wish me um, a happy finals week and were supporting me in all my studies. I truly, truly appreciate it. And thank you to my co-host for being just an amazing partner and friend in all that I do and so supportive. But yes, so this episode, I'm really excited because we're talking about giving parents more credit. Um, I've been thinking about doing this episode with Natalie for some time now, and I really wanted it to be during this season because I feel like in our field, um, we don't give them enough credit. You know, a lot of the times we're kind of in a, not a cohesive relationship and it needs to be a cohesive relationship. It needs to be a collaborative relationship. Um, and a lot of the times we're not in that setting. So we just thought of some points, uh, maybe some tips if you could take from it that we wanted to go through in our careers and our experiences that may help you, um, to give parents more credit, you know? I love that because I think oftentimes since we, have experience, knowledge, training within applied behavior analysis, right? When we're doing parent trainings or meeting with these parents, we automatically assume that they have to just take in all this information and now become a parent as well as an ABA practitioner. But Mm -hmm. if you think about it, like, for instance, in this situation with our clients specifically, we are solely a practitioner. We are not also their parent, right? We might be a caregiver in that situation because most of the time we're, we're uh, um, supporting them in their, their daily activities and whatever it may be. We're support for them. But a parent is never putting on their responsibilities onto us, right? So thinking about it, I think taking a step back and, and being aware of what we're asking them to do and in the way that we're asking them to do and how much we're asking them to do, I think mm-hmm. this is a very important conversation to have because Yes, most of them have have never even heard of ABA before having to have these services for their child. Ooh, that was fire, Natalie. That was so good. Um, Everything that you just said, I just totally related with. Um, But yes, that makes so much sense because in a lot of the times, you know, think of our uh, whole career. We're just kind of conditioned, I guess you could say, going in and just being like, hey, I'm here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And a lot of the time we come in right when a child is diagnosed right when everything is starting to happen, right when there's a lot of other things going on in that parent's life, especially if they have other children. They're not, they're learning how to navigate this new area in their life and with their child. It's a lot that they have to go through mental health wise. There could be denial. There could be trying to have acceptance, trying to understand what is the why, why is this happening to me? Like, you know, and it's very hard and we just come in, you know, stone faced, I hate to say it, but sometimes that happens. Stone-faced because we're so used to it. This is what we do all the time. And we're just like, yep, this is what we need to do because we're here to make your life better and your child's life better and progress and, you know, and we're going to put this on extinction and we're, you know, but a lot of the times we're coming in and saying all these things and parents are just trying to understand, right? How many times have I gone into a household and one parent's on board when we first start and one parent does not believe in anything that I'm talking about? 
doesn't know about ABA therapy because they only know about speech and OT and physical and that's what they've heard about. And I just come in like, yep, I'm going to try to do this with your child and I'm going to make your child talk, you know? So you have to think about a whole different other side and other aspects of this relationship now that you're starting, not only with the child, but with their caregiver, with an adult, you know? And I like that you mentioned that because you know, these false promises, which we're not supposed to make. And oftentimes, uh-huh. maybe they're, we are the first, but oftentimes we're not. And they've gone through trial and error of experiencing different therapists and analysts and then have come to us. So who knows what their learned mm-hmm. history is, their experiences with ABA, right? Of maybe having someone make promises, which we shouldn't and not mm-hmm. be able to live up to it or mm-hmm. their experiences, right? Maybe they've experienced extinction and the parent wasn't okay with that and no one mm-hmm. sat there and asked what are your priorities what are your boundaries what are you okay that i do with your child and what are you not okay with right and making that cohesive and collaborative relationship that you talked about if that is not there if that is missing they are not a part of this relationship and they should be they are the client they are the caregiver the person who is with this child 24 7 That should be the first thing that you do when you're meeting with this parent is what are your priorities? What are your boundaries? And are we a good match? Are we a good fit? I tell parents all the time when it comes to stereotypical behavior, I will not tell your child quiet hands. That is not me. If that is something you are looking for, then we have to have a separate conversation because if this is a priority for you, but it doesn't interfere with learning or whatever it may be, separate conversation, I am letting you know the type of analyst that I am and establishing that relationship. And it should be the same. How are you in terms of your parenting style? Are you okay with the whole my way, right? Are you going to allow your child to say, I don't want this in terms of advocating for this themselves? I'm not going to put a procedure in place of what I think is appropriate if this isn't appropriate for you and within your household. Yes, I love all of that, especially um, one of my notes for this episode I was thinking is that, you know, um, your words matter, how we talk to parents, right? It creates like kind of a setting event for our relationship with them, as well as it starts their learning history with us. And I'm so glad that you brought up learning history because there have been so many um, parent relationships that I've started with or been with, um, worked with, that they come in and they're like, yep, we used to be with a different company. And in the past year, I've had 13 therapists for my son. 13 because of high burnout rate, because of high turnover rate. Every month was a new therapist. Or I've had parents come to me, you know, they have a very small child um, and a toddler. And they're like, yeah, if, if I will know if your son, if my son likes you or not. Um, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you're the parent, you know, um, if they don't like me, then you'll know, you know, and they're worried and they're anxious already. And they've been through all this process, whether it was a different company or with us, and they're just trying to navigate the same thing. So always remember that everybody has like a learning history before we start with their case, including parents, everyone has a learning history. So I think we forget sometimes that Uh, especially being young in the field or first starting out as like an RBT that we um, set the tone or, you know, everybody has a different learning history with everybody else. And when we start, that's how we're going to set the tone for the rest of the relationship, you know, and it's kind of hard because we're learning behavior principles to apply to their child, but then we have to learn how to apply those behavior principles to their parent as well and reinforce certain things and, you know, those uh, type of situations. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And I also think that the expectation that we have that once we start out, even though we have good intentions, 
that the parents should just be automatically willing and receiving of our services yes. isn't necessarily true, right? You have mm-hmm. to earn their trust. You have to prove yourself essentially. Again, all these good intentions that you have show right. it, demonstrate right. it. You good. Pair. Good. Pair. And it will come. Just like dating. You don't meet someone for the <laughs> here you go. We're going to like, no, you have to earn that trust. And it's the same yes. thing. And some people automatically assume like on the first visit that these parents are going to be receiving of you and your services and uh, bow down to you and be like, what is it that you need me to do? I will do anything. You got to put that ego down. <laughs> Step aside and learn from them. Listen right. to the person that has grown up who has raised this child. Right. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're going to come in trying to be the hero. We're not heroes here. We're like world changers, but we're here to make a difference. You know, we're here to improve lives, but that is so true. And, and pairing with a, a parent is not like telling them your favorite color and being like, Hey, let's talk while we have some coffee. No, it's pairing with them about their child, pairing with them while they interact with their child. Hey, I really liked how you told him good job when he fed himself with a spoon. Hey, I really like that you ignored him when he was engaging in inappropriate attention-seeking behavior and you prompted him to tap your shoulder when you wanted him to talk to you. You know, those type of pairing procedures. I don't have to be this person's best friend. That's not our type of relationships. That's not ethical. We're not doing that. But pairing in a way that you're reinforcing their parent, not good behavior, but reinforcing a better relationship with their child in terms of improving their behavior to make them um, more independent in their own life. I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think as we talked about, as we were talking about parents and their responsibilities and all of this, I, another thing clicked for me is the amount of hats and roles that these parents wear. So as a clinician, as an analyst, I feel like in the moment I have two hats. I have my Natalie hat, right? The mom of two cats at home. And then I have my <laughs> hat. Right. And when I'm at work, I'm on most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. And when I'm home... I can turn that off, but I can think of so many. They're a caregiver. They're an advocate for their child. They're a therapist. They're a teacher now with virtual schooling. And even after they have Mm -hmm. to be a friend, a role model. There are so many hats. There is no clocking out at 5 PM when we get to go Mm -hmm. home. Right. A partner, right. 24 seven weekdays, weekends, holidays. So I want Mm -hmm. you guys to keep that in mind when you go home at 5 p.m. and 6 p.m. and pour yourself a glass of wine or have your self-care and say, wow, what a tough day. I'm so glad it's 6 p.m. Because that parent that you either critiqued or criticized, they don't get to turn off. They're at home with the child. Right. Keep that in mind when you're planning, when you're programming, when you're Mm -hmm. talking about barriers to treatment, how can you incorporate this parent to alleviate some of those barriers? To help and advocate for that child and that caregiver. Love that. Yes, definitely. And and we're not saying it as in a negative way that, you know, they have a, a child like this, but we're saying it in a way like when you're implementing behavior change programs, think about the whole environment, right? So think about like, okay, I'm going to implement that we're going to teach this child to tie their shoes. But maybe they're five years old and the mom doesn't have time to teach them to tie their shoes to generalize the behavior. So why am I going to work on that now? Maybe I'll wait when they're seven. You know, think about different things. Think about their daily routine. Think about if the parent is ready, if they have the time in their life, if they have the time to commit, if they're ready with their behavior skills training. Maybe they're not ready with, uh, if they're not ready for extinction, things like that, you know? I really think uh, you have to put everything into perspective. And exactly. 
all the different um, type of relationships, you know? And one of the things I want to mention is I think that we should be empathetic and avoid being apathetic, right? So being empathetic, trying to put ourselves into their shoes, which I feel like a lot of us don't do and we're not really trained to do it. Like, you know, being in school and learning all these things because we're like trained to, nope, we have to go in, put in this procedure and try to understand and we have to be ethical, but we're not being empathetic. We're not putting ourselves in their shoes, trying to understand, okay, um, if I put in this procedure, would it be able to generalize to parents? Would it be able to generalize to, um, to their siblings? And we don't really talk about the private events that come with empathy, that maybe that's another day, another time, but we want to avoid being apathetic, right? Just not having any emotion towards them, being stone-faced, cold, you know, like not doing anything because that's not going to help our relationship and that's not going to help the progress of our client. I love that you mentioned that, Christina. And it's true. I don't think a lot of the times we receive training on that. Like even when I'm doing a functional assessment and I have a parent tell me the history or the background of some of my clients, Mm -hmm. I am just, the parent is emotional. I'm emotional. I try Mm -hmm. to be as connected and um, supportive as I can in that situation. But when I Mm -hmm. leave, I'm like, wow, I never got training on this or had any scenarios where this could have potentially been brought up. And what do I do? Um, I'm glad that you brought that up. If anyone has had situations or training on certain situations within this, please let us know so we can share with everybody else. Oh, Um, yes. That would be great. Very important. A very yeah, and, topic. And just be mindful, you know, your words matter. Your words matter. And the way you talk to parents matters. If you talk to them in with negative commentation, there are so many times where you run assessments and I mean, it's talked about a lot in the field, but we run assessments, right? And a lot of the times I talk about with parents, like I have to tell them, please do the assessment again, because I feel like, um, you have a little bit of mommy goggles on where I know he does so much more here, but you're putting him lower. And, and, and I know they, they can do it, but they're not performing maybe this skill all the time. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, but I just want to be honest and truthful. I'm like, no, I, I, I completely understand. You know, when we run assessments, we're asking parents a lot of what the child cannot do. And a lot of the time when you think about it, they're running through these questionnaires and they're circling things. And it kind of gets into the space like, wow, my child is five and they're not doing X, Y, and Z. My child is three. They're not doing X, Y, and Z. And there have been times in my career where they're like, oh, you know, this makes me think of a lot of things and how they're measuring up to their siblings. And I'm like, okay, that I understand where you're coming from, but I need this assessment because then I can work on those things. So maybe they're not performing at a three right now, but they're performing at a one. So they have the skill, but they don't perform the skill all the time, but at least it's not a zero, right? So that's how I go back and I talk to parents because if you're running an assessment and then they're doing all these things, they're like already in a negative headspace, you know? And then we come in and, and I'm trying to explain to them, no, I'm here to make it better. I just need this tool to let me know where you're at to make it better. And then from there on, it's a better type of relationship. I like the whole explaining aspect. Uh, something that I've implemented and that I love doing um, that I've now generalized to some of my therapists is during parent trainings. And sometimes I'll have the siblings come Oftentimes, it could be very negative, right? All of the mm-hmm. things that they can't do, what they won't do, the maladaptive behaviors, disruptive behaviors. Um, and at the end of the session, I always say, okay, so now I want us, for every negative that we said, I want us to try to come up with two positives. Love and I that. end the session on a positive note and mm-hmm. all the progress that they have made. Because even with us, sometimes we can be like, oh, wow, we've kind of reached the plateau and we haven't seen any progress. 
But looking mm. back, you see the milestones that have been reached at times. Um, but I think that's something that maybe moving forward can be implemented with a lot of people is for negative um, statements, commentary, words, trying to find or state a positive and ending the session, the training on a positive note. Right. Yeah. And, and, and not everything's going to be positive all the time. We understand that. But it's also like how you give critique to uh, supervisees, you know, how you give uh, constructive criticism. So and you have to understand, too, like it's not only us talking to this parent about their child all day and every week. It's OT talking about their child. It's speech. It's the education setting, whatever setting they may be. in. So it's like imagine if the child kept having bad days at school oh, Johnny hit somebody today, Johnny kicked somebody today. It's like, you're always putting it in this negative light. So I sometimes I feel like parents come to me just like, yes, what happened today? Like already sulking in their day and it's six o'clock and I'm there. So I make sure, you know, when I debrief parents, I say, okay, we worked on this, this, and this. I have had some things happen, but I made sure. And then I tell them what procedure I did. So yes, um, I got one kick today, but I redirected or I ignored. And then when they stopped after five seconds, I redirected to more functional communication by saying, can I have, I want, I need a break, you know? I love that because oftentimes I've heard people say like, oh, we're not going to tell the parent like what (laughs) negative things that happened. Yeah. What I tell my supervisees is we're going to be honest and truthful because they live with this child. So they know that their child did not have a perfect day. Right. But we're going to say what procedures you used, right? So the parent can then use this at home and we're going to talk about the positive. So right. even if the positive was grabbing his ba- his book bag to go home on his own, that mm-hmm. is a positive that you were going to mention, but we're going to be truthful and transparent with these parents. I love that. Yeah. And, and that's policy, y'all. yes. In my career, what I've noticed is when I'm transparent, when I'm honest with parents, it, it defines a better relationship with together and they're more honest with me and I feel like I have more trust with them, you know? So, and even if I don't know, like if something's happening, I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to research it. I'm going to try to get some resources. I'm going to ask my supervisor. I'm going to ask another uh, clinician, a friend of mine. I'm going to consult, but I don't know. But also what I was thinking about too is just with all the positives, I've had a parent where this child is. Um, let's say just between the ages of eight and 10, right? And they have come to me and they're like, they wrote me a note uh, and they said, you know, your positivity shines through or like your positivity has been so great in our relationship. And it makes me think like, why is this child almost 10 years old? And I'm the first person in their whole life that is only a positive clinician or always trying to keep the positive around their child, right? You have to think about it. Some, I feel like sometimes parents, they feel bad or they feel like not that it's a burden or something like that, but they feel bad, like the way their child treats other people and they don't want that to happen. And it's a lot of different factors that goes into it with developmental disabilities and stuff. But I've had parents like, oh my gosh, Christina, I want to cry because they're hitting you and doing all that stuff. I'm like, it's okay. This is my job. My job is to be here and make this better. Like, I like coming here. I like doing this. Like, your child makes my life better. This is why I'm here. You know, even through tough behaviors, we still love to be a part of your child's growth and progress. This is, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. This, this gives me joy. Maybe, yes, I get kicked here and there. But at the end of the day, like, I like being here with your child. So a lot of the times, you know, they come in and, and maybe their child has a lot of different 
uh, problem behaviors, whatever that may be, you know, operationally defined. But it's our job to remember, like, we're here to help you. We're here to make your life better. Like, your child makes my life better. And a lot of people don't give that to them. And I feel like we need to be the field that does that. You know, if we want to change things, if we want to keep going, keep growing as a field and not be that bad ABA, you know, we need, we need to change it. That's such a great point. That reassurance um, and kind of defining our roles and our responsibilities so that the parent mm-hmm. knows what our role is, what their role is, how we come together and how we establish this collaborative relationship that we keep talking about. Um, so such a great point, Christina. Definitely. Um, and I just want to make sure we just give one more point. <laughs> so just remember, you know, there's like no handbook to parenting children with disabilities. There's no handbook. So I think we need to give parents, you know, uh, more acceptance, more forgiveness when they make mistakes. I feel like sometimes they're really embarrassed, you know, and we need to include them more, like we always say, and include their opinion. You know, I have come to parents and I said, what do you think? And me just asking them what they think rather than saying, like, this is what we're going to do changes everything. If I come in, I'm like, and they say, you know what, I don't really think that's going to work. I said, okay, we're going to change it. And I listen to them and I have their uh, really honor their opinion you know it's so true Um, you can't take it personal if they're like no i don't like that move on let's find something together it's so true when i'm talking about and we're role-playing specific interventions after the fact i look at them and i'm like what do you think is this something that you can see yourself implementing is this something that works and i have them sometimes tell me no i don't think so i don't see myself doing this i'm like that's fine that's maybe right now i can't come up with something but i will get back to you and if not, yeah. if I love this. I'm like, perfect. Let me know how it goes. We'll touch base. If it works, great. If not, we'll figure something else out. And that, and then, part, that asking for their opinion, if they can see themselves doing this is so important. And, and just, yeah, one more thing is just be mindful of how you're talking to your supervisees while you're supervising in the home about parents as well. Because yes. they're always, yes, they're always in the home. So they're going to carry that, right? Oh, well, my supervisor thinks this of this parent. So I'm going to think of them too. You know, I've heard in the field from another therapist or from others that's like, oh, you know, if I started with this kid when they were two years old, it would be a whole different child. It's like, no, man, like, don't say that. You know, you know, you don't know people's learning histories. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what other medical or health issues they have gone through with their child that has happened. It's just like we need to be more mindful of what we're saying and how we're modeling parent training to supervisees as well. Be present. We don't live in the past and we don't live in the future. You have today and today is what matters. Love that. And before we close, today is Mother's Day. So I was just thinking, I think we should dedicate this <laughs> episode to our mamas. I love you, mama. <laughs> emotional. <laughs> and I love Natalie's mom too and my grandma. All my, both my grandmas, my abuelita. Like, I, yeah. Hola, mom. Love you guys. So all the moms out there, thank you for everything that you do. Mm-hmm. We love oh, you guys. I hope you listen to this episode and you can have compassion moving forward. Mm-hmm. You're going to get me emotional. <laughs> all the mamas out there, all the mamas of developmental dis- with kids with de- developmental disabilities, like we love you. You're amazing. Don't ever let anyone make you feel different. You provide for your child. You advocate for your child. You are one amazing mama and we love you. But anyways, so guys, make sure that you subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts or wherever you listen to our podcast to make sure you get a response prompt for our next episode. Make sure to follow us on Onward Behavior on Instagram to get all our updates for everything 
related to Onward and Monday Morning Coffee. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, keep moving onward and pay it forward. <laughs>